Hello to all of you joining us online. It is really good to be with you. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in singing today. By the way, church, y'all did a great job. It's August. What that basically means is things are ramping up here at the church. You probably noticed in your bulletin, lots of stuff happening tonight and a few weeks from now I want to start. So please, please, please check your, your bulletin. Make sure you're in the know. Pay close attention to all the details that we have going on around the church. Now, if you have questions about what we're doing, you can talk to the Connection Kiosk as well. And so, by the way, if you're brand new to First Baptist, can I just be the first one to say Welcome. I'm so glad to see you today. Thank you so much for being here. Um, It is a great, great time to be a part of what we're doing here at First Baptist. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We'd like to give you a gift today. So if you would, just take your connection card and make sure it's all filled out and take it to the connection kiosk and we will give you a nice gift for being here if this is your first time with us. So congregation, if you have your Bible, go and turn with me to the book of Proverbs and we're going to look at chapter 27 today, all right? You can follow along with me in your outline as well that you got in your bulletin. If you want to, take your phone, scan the QR code in front of you, and you can follow along digitally with me as well. As you can see from the video that we just watched, we're in a sermon series called Frequently Asked Questions, all right? In fact, the question that I get the most, and I, I get anxiety over this question because I get asked so much, In fact, I get tired of answering it. But it's this one. How did Jill get so lucky to find me? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we we talked about a very important question called, how do I make great decisions? We took two weeks to answer that. Last week, we talked about, how do I choose better over busy? And as you can see from the question behind me, today we're talking about, how do I practice wisdom? Because... Here's the thing. We talked about getting God's wisdom in the Great Decisions weeks. And in those weeks, we talked about how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And how that we have to recognize who God is and we have to have reverence for him. And when you have those two pieces, it drives you to a place of submission. And that's this whole idea that God is smarter than you. Right, He knows better about life than you do because he is God and you are not. And when you get this idea, it leads you to gaining his wisdom into your life. Because congregation, without those components, this idea of having God's wisdom in your life, it's just not going to happen. So you have to start there. And then in week two, we talked about the principle of the path. And that's how our decisions determine the quality and the direction of our life, right? Our decisions determine our direction, and our direction ultimately determines our destination. Because all of us in life, we are moving. We are not stagnant. You may not feel it, you may not notice it, but you are always moving in some direction, And the decisions that we make day in and day out are creating this direction in our life. It is a law. Everybody say law. It's a law. Oh, come on, church. Stay with it. Everybody say law. One, two, three. Law. It is a law in life, just like gravity is. It's how life works. This is how God set things up. And there's nothing we can do to change it. When we examine our life, Let me ask you this. I want you to examine your life right now, okay? 
Examine your life. And I want you to think relationally, physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally, or whatever area of life you want to look at. Wherever you are right now is a direct result of the decisions that you have made in your past. Both the good and the not so good. Even though you had good intentions, the destination that you arrived at is connected to your decisions. It's not connected to your intentions. And in Ephesians, God tells us to be very careful how we live, not to be foolish, but to be wise. So you may be sitting here thinking, okay, Pastor, and after two weeks of listening to you and thinking about how much I want God's wisdom in my life, okay, okay, I'm all in. I'm all in. I want to pursue his wisdom into my life. I want to make it a regular part. So what is that going to look like, Pastor Wayne? I mean, as I pursue his wisdom, what kind of perspective do I need to have? What should I expect is going to happen? What should I expect to do? How will my relationships change? Well, I'm glad you asked all those questions. I really am. So let's look at Proverbs 27. Let's look at verse 12 today. Here's what God says to us. Through King Solomon, he says, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Now, I want you to know, church, this is a principle. God has ordained this to be how life works. It doesn't matter if we don't like it, if we don't agree with it. It it doesn't matter. This is how it is. So in your outline, let me give you a backdrop. Principle number one here. This verse has two people, two responses, and two outcomes. Not six, not four, not three, two. That's it. And according to scripture, you're either going to be simple and end up in a rough place, or you're going to be prudent, and God promises to reward you. And I'm just going to stay right now that, okay, that nobody got up this morning, nobody got up and said, I know, I think today's going to be the day where I hop on the bandwagon and join Team Simple. That's going to be a great idea. I'm going to hitch my wagon to that team. I don't think any of you did that. So let's look a little bit closer, and let's start with the prudent, number two in your outline. What is the prudent in the book of Proverbs? The prudent in the book of Proverbs is the wise person. In the Old Testament, both of these terms are interchangeable. They mean the same thing, prudent and wise, same thing. And so if you're sitting here today and you're asking the question, well, am I wise? Am I the prudent person that I see in Scripture? Because I don't think I like the other option. My response to you right now is, I don't know. Let's see. So in your outline, here are the marks of a prudent person. The prudent person sees how decisions from yesterday are connected to today and the future. And according to scripture, if you are wise, you understand that the decisions that you made in your past, whether it be last night, last week, last month, last five years, right? It doesn't matter. 
you understand that those decisions are going to have influence over your life's direction today. Additionally, you also see how those decisions are going to impact and influence the future as well. Now, it could be sooner, it could be later, it could be both, it doesn't matter, but the principle here is for our life. We can't break it, we can't change it, because life is linear. That is how it works. It's A, then B, then C, then D. Our decisions send us in a direction. And in your outline, we looked at this two weeks ago. Another characteristics of the prudent person is this. They ask the right question. They ask, is it wise for me to do and fill in the blank? So backtrack a little bit with me. Financially, where do you want to be three, five, ten years from now? What's it going to take to get you there? Relationally, are you where you want to be? If not, what's it going to take to get you there? Professionally, where do you want to be three, five, ten years from now? How about in your home life? Where do you want that to look like? Or is it where did you want it to be? If not, what's it going to take to get you there? And so whenever you look about your life and whatever arena you want to talk about, it really doesn't matter, but the prudent person steps back and asks the question, is this the wise thing for me to do? Is it wise for me to buy the car, refinance the home, take a new job, move to Tennessee or Idaho or Texas or Fresno, right? I'm from there. I can make fun of that city, okay? How about start a business? How about have another child? I mean, whatever it is, the wise person asks the question, should I do that? Is it the wise thing for me to do? Not, is it legal for me to do that? Not, have I heard a Bible verse or have I heard a sermon on that? Because let's be honest, congregation, the vast majority of the decisions that we make in life, there's no Bible verse for them. Like, should I drink coffee or not? And the answer is no. I don't drink coffee. But we make decisions like that all day long. We do. And the prudent person asks this question on the board behind me. The prudent person understands that every decision matters and that decisions are connected because life is linear. A to B to C to D. Number three in your outline is the other group of people that we see here is the simple person. And this is the naive person. And I want you to know that in the Old Testament, these two words mean the same thing, simple and naive. This word's also translated in some versions of the Bible. In fact, you may have one that uses the word fool. And some newer translations actually use the word stupid. They do. They do. So whatever the case, I think we get the idea of what Solomon is trying to say here. So in your outline, here are the marks of the simple person. The simple person thinks that today is about today. And that the decisions from yesterday, last week, last year, five years ago, that they're not connected to today. And they're not connected to the future. They believe that whatever they did last night, it was just about last night, has nothing to do with tomorrow. They believe that their decisions are each random and that they're isolated and insulated from everything else. They're like an island unto themselves. 
And my hunch is for most of us, when we look into our lives and our families and our relational networks, that we don't have to look far to see somebody in our life who fits this description. They're on Team Simple. And the prudent person understands that they are connected. Our decisions are connected. The simple person does not understand that. In fact, when you talk to somebody who's on Team Simple, it kind of goes like this. So that happened to you four times? And they're like, yeah, four times last week. And, and, and you're like, so do you think it's going to happen a fifth time? And they're like, well, no. Of course it isn't going to happen a fifth time. Come on, Pastor Wayne. How shallow do you, of a person do you think I am? And then guess what? It happens number five. And do you know what they say? Honestly, church, they're shocked. They literally cannot believe that this thing happened for the fifth time. And why is that? Because they do not recognize, they do not submit to the fact that life is linear and that our decisions are connected to each other. And then because of the culture, now let's throw the culture in. Yippee skippy, right? The culture. Here's what it says. Well, I had good intentions as if somehow that counts. As if it has the power to break the principle of the path. We find it right here in Proverbs 27 today. Right? Because if we all get up on the roof, so let's all get up on the roof, all right? And just imagine this. We all get up on the roof and I tell you, okay, folks, so flap your arms and you're going to fly away like a robin. Ready, set, go. My good intentions and your good intentions, they're just not going to work. But when it comes to our life decisions, the simple person somehow believes that good intentions are enough. And then we rationalize it in our head. And we justify it. And I think you all know how this goes, right? We jump off the roof thinking that we're going to fly, completely naive to gravity. Gravity kicks in, and then we fall, and we pay the penalty like Proverbs says. So then we get hurt, we get discouraged, we get upset, we get mad, and then to top it all off, what do we do? We start blaming. How come you didn't do anything to stop this? Whether it be you, your friend, your parents, or even God. Some people blame God. And, and when the naive person blames God, God's like, whoa, hey now. Oh, I gave you my word. I put it in scripture. I told you how life works. There are principles in play, Wayne. You have to see it. And when, when you see danger, stop. Be wise. If not, son, you will pay the penalty. Congregation, that is how God works. And it's in his word. He says, verse 12, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Our decisions, they determine the direction of our life, and our direction determines our destination. Y'all with me on that? 
Okay, now we're going to own it. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Now we're going to own it. So let's talk a little bit about number four in your outline. Here's the danger for believers. And here's how this works. We confuse conviction with action. What do I mean by that? Congregation, this happens all the time. All right? And this isn't about this message. It's about every message, every week from every preacher and everybody that you listen to on radio, TV, and podcast. There is a moment when you're listening to a message and God's spirit connects to your heart. And he convicts you of something that you need to fix in your life. Have you ever experienced that? Okay. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're listening to me and if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't know what conviction is, let me just say it to you like this. It's when God pays you a personal visit. And through the message, he nails it to your soul. And if you've ever experienced that, it's that moment when you feel, oh, man, I need to change. It's uncomfortable. It's painful. But it's still welcomed, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, God. Yeah, I need to fix that in my life. And so the danger is we confuse this conviction and call it action, and it's not. What happens is people will attend worship services or they'll go to conferences. I saw this a lot when I was a youth pastor. We go to camp, right? And, and so the Lord pays a visit to people, and they sense the conviction in their life, and then it's like, I need to change, and, and then they leave the service, they leave the camp or whatever it is, and then nothing happens. Maybe that's been your story. And if it is your story, let me tell you what God would say to you. This is going to hurt a little bit. God would say that you are simple, that you're naive. Here's why. Because the God of the universe has paid you a personal visit. He's giving you a warning. You need to make a change. And then there is no action on your behalf. What do we do? We pray for help. We ask God to come. God, would you give me discernment on the areas of my life that I need to change? Show me a better way, God. Because we see that the pathway that we're on is not so good. So he pays you a visit. He convicts you of your wrong. We get the spiritual awakening and we just sit on our thumbs. Happens all the time. We just keep on keeping on. We do the same things and we make more poor choices. Consequently, we've made the decision. And that decision was that we weren't going to change anything. And then down the road, we run into the wall, we fall off the cliff, we pay the penalty, as Proverbs says. Our intention was good, but there's no action. The prudent person, the wise person that Proverbs is saying here, they see the danger off in the distance, they listen to instruction. They sense conviction in their life, and they take action to correct course. The simple person, the naive, the fool, they don't. And then they wonder, and maybe this has been your story, what happened? I don't get it. I just don't understand how I got here. Happens all the time, congregation. All the time. So we need to stop confusing 
conviction with action. Jesus says in John chapter 14, you see it in your outline. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Remember, all of the Bible is God's word, all of it. And in the Old Testament, the Lord said to Job, chapter 23, verse 12, he said, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. So not only is being convicted and doing nothing not good, it's like really, really not good. Why is that? Because you know what God's word says. You have had a personal time with God. He's convicted you. You sense his spirit. And after all of that, you still did nothing to correct course. You just decided to keep on keeping on, doing the same old, same old. And some people are like, well, Pastor Wayne, I plan to correct course, just not today. Beloved, if that's you, please hear me real quick. Indecision is decision. The prudency danger and take refuge. They make adjustments. The simple, just keep on keeping on. They pay the penalty for that. Number five in your outline. The result of being a prudent person is that you look foolish. Yep, and here's why. Because prudent people act, right? I mean, the prudent person stops a mile back from the edge and goes, ooh, I need to make an adjustment. Two weeks ago, I talked about how in our sinful nature, we want to get up close to the edge, Remember this? We want to get up as close to the edge. We want to get as close to sin as we possibly can get without actually sinning because we want to see the disaster. We want to smell the disaster. We even want to feel it a little bit. But we don't want to experience the disaster. We want the excitement of life, the rush that it brings. But when the edge gives way, We go tumbling down right off the cliff. We hit the bottom and we get up with all the pain and we go like, God, why didn't you do something? And as we've been seeing today, God says, hey, the fool, the simple person, they see the danger ahead and they don't make any adjustments. They just go right off the edge. But the prudent person, they see the danger and they like, whoa, I'm going to step back. There's nothing down there I need. There's nothing down there that I need. I think I'm going to stay back here and be safe. So if you want to be a prudent person in life, you got to understand that the unbelieving culture out there is going to look at you. It's going to reject you. It's going to think that you're the fool. They're going to call you all kinds of names. They're going to say all kinds of things like how narrow-minded you are. But in reality, you're practicing wisdom. They're going to think you're crazy. All because you don't want to experience the disaster. Because they wouldn't even see it as a disaster. You don't want to experience the heartache that comes with the disaster. Because you can know, you know what it is. You can sense it. When you fall off that cliff, it's no fun, is it? No, it's not fun. 
And so you decide to step back a little bit. You're like, I don't want nothing to do with that. Because our decisions are controlling our direction. And they ultimately determine our destination. So the question becomes now, congregation, do you want to actually be a prudent person? Or do you want to be a simple person in this life? Because there's only two choices. One or the other. There's not three, there's not four, there's not six. And so if you want to be a prudent person, if that's you today, if you want to practice wisdom in your daily life, I want to quickly give you four action steps that you must do. Got to implement them in your life. Number one is you got to take refuge. What I mean by that is this. You actually have to move. You have to decide to decide. And you have to move towards God and his ways and take refuge in them. Jesus says, I am your refuge. Your refuge. I am that person. Let me hold your yoke. Matthew. You have to move towards Jesus. This is a verb. It requires action. It's not enough for you to go to church today to listen to me speak or listen to a, another preacher on a podcast or on TV. Or whatever. It's not enough for you to go, man, that pastor is so right on. Oh, man, he's nailing it. Way to go, preacher. Yes. And then just go right back to what you're doing. You know, get in your car, hook a left on the San Juan, and it's like, box checked. By the way, that happens all the time, churches around the world. The prudent person sees the danger and moves. They actually don't even need to pray about it. Not that praying about it's not a good thing, but they don't need to because they already know what God's word says. They already know what they need to do and they take safe refuge in the Lord. They know what God has said in scripture. So the prudent person takes action by taking refuge. Second step, this one's gonna be a little tough. You're going to need to make sacrifices. If you want to be a prudent person, you got to understand that prudent people make sacrifices. They identify and they give up whatever it is, friendships, a lifestyle, hobbies, a debt, I mean, whatever it is. They make whatever choice is necessary to get rid of whatever contributes to a foolish life. Because ultimately, they understand and it comes down to this decision. I need to give up whatever it is to get off this road that I am on because this road is painful, it's not healthy. And in order for me to do that, I need to make a sacrifice here. And folks, honestly, if you do this, I'm gonna be truthful with you here. It's going to be painful because you're gonna give up and sacrifice what needs to be removed in your life. And it's there for a reason, because you like it. And if it's keeping you off the path that you need to be on, gotta get rid of it. It won't happen unless you do. How many alcoholics do you know that got that way because they started drinking? Drug users, they got that way because they started using. And the list goes on and on and on. Eventually, the alcoholic has to stop drinking. Just saying. You understand what I'm saying with you here. The third one is you got to be prepared to be embarrassed. This goes along like what we've already hit on a little bit. But all the simple people out there in the world, they're going to think you're crazy. They're, gonna, they're not going to like the fact that you're chasing being a prudent person. 
They're going to think you're overreacting. You're narrow-minded. And basically, they're going to think you're a self-righteous, moralistic fanatic. It's true. It's going to happen. In fact, you should expect it. I've been telling people for over 20 years in ministry, here's what Jesus said. Okay? The closer you get to Jesus, the less friends you're going to have. Let me say that again to you, congregation. The closer you get to Jesus, the less friends you're going to have. Look at John's gospel, chapter 15. This is what Jesus said right here, verses 18 through 20. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, Jesus said. A servant is not greater than his master. If the world hated Jesus, congregation, they aren't going to like you either. And that is a fact. 1 Corinthians 2, it's not in your outline, but 1 Corinthians 2, 14 says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Folks, the ways of God are foolishness to the simple world. They just are. The world is foolish. Number four, my prayer for you today is that you would prepare to be relieved. What do I mean by that? There's going to hopefully be a time in your life when you look back into your past and you see a single moment, and maybe it's today, but you look back and you see a single point when you took action. A moment when you sense God's conviction and you made a certain adjustment in your life. You made the sacrifice. And it was huge. It was painful, but you made it. And yet it changed the trajectory that you were on. You got off of a certain simple and foolish path. And you got on to a more prudent path. And it was at that point when you look back and you just kind of look up to the heavens and you say... Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because you know that if you would have stayed on that path over there, who knows? God only knows what would have happened to you. The trajectory that you would have been on and the painful experiences that would have come your way. Congregation, that is the amazing love that God has for you. That is why he gives us principles in scripture today like Proverbs 27. He does this because he cares for us. He is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. These are principles he gives us, and they're not just for us to learn and go, wow, that's pretty cool. I think I'll put that on the shelf. No. They're for us to implement into our life. Whether it be you know, at a church setting or a small group or whoever it is you're listening to, when God comes to you through those words, take action. God cares for you. He is the God of the universe, the one who spoke creation into existence. 
and he is concerned for your individual life. You matter to God. You matter so much to God that Jesus died on the cross for you. Every decision of your life matters to the Lord. Every last one of them. So I invite you today to turn your eyes to heaven. Turn your ears to heaven to listen to the voice of God. Say to your heart and to your soul, child of mine, the prudent see danger and take refuge. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Don't let that be you, child of mine. Don't let that be you. The word of God has spoken. I'm gonna ask that you stand and join with me in a word of prayer this morning. Father, as we come before you, we just say thank you for your word. God, it is our heart's desire as your children today to acknowledge the things that we have done, God. Maybe the things that we're doing that are not of you, they are the disaster in front of us. So God, we acknowledge them right now because you're talking to our hearts, you're pointing them out to us. So, Father, we want to give them up. So, Lord, I pray right now, every person in this room, every person watching us online, God, that you would just help us to make the choices that we need to do to get on the road of the straight and narrow. Your road, God. Lord, I pray that you just help us to take that step of faith to get rid of the things that we need to get rid of that are preventing us from being on that road. And congregation, maybe you're here today and the thing that's preventing you from being on that road is the very simple fact that you don't know Jesus. You're going through life, you're falling all the time, you're running into the roadblocks, life's beating you down. It's because you don't have God in your life. You don't know Jesus. Well, today's your lucky day. I want to invite you to know Jesus today. He is the pathway to practicing wisdom. So I just want to encourage you, bow your knee to Christ. He loves you. He gave his life up for you. And it's real simple. Just say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you came that you died and that you rose from the grave for me. Thank you for dying for my sin. And so I confess you now, Lord Jesus, right here, right now. Be my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Help me to live for you from this day forward. And with all of us praying right now, Lord God, fill our hearts Fill our minds, fill our lives with you, God. Give us the strength to live for you and to obey your word. That is my prayer. That is our prayer. In Jesus' name, we do pray today. Amen.